Hello there and welcome to the Alstein Film Podcast, where we talk film, TV, games and all that jazz that there's no tomorrow. This week we're talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. How are you this week? Hello, I hope everyone is doing well. We've finally watched Black Panther. Can you believe Phase 4 is over? I, I just don't believe that. It's, <laughs> you see, we talked about every Marvel film in Phase 4. All of it, we've done every single bit and we just... <laughs> been through the pain but we found something that is amazing something that we've been waiting for months it doesn't feel like a marvel film this we just watched it felt oh, like yeah proper, proper comic book film it was just different it was just so emotional and of course we're talking about the batman <laughs> no um <laughs> wakanda forever briefly explain the plot for those who don't know pre wamanda shuri mumbaku okoye and adora menage fight to protect their nation from interviewing world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, the heroes must band together with Nakia and Everett Boss to forge a new path for their beloved kingdom. Well, well, Ooh. that is indeed. We're going to be delving into full spoilers, so if you haven't seen Black Panther Wakanda Forever and you want to, go watch it, come back. Go watch it. Yeah, got please, please. a whole lot to say. Yes. Let's start simple. What did you think? <sighs> the beginning, man. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I knew this is going to be a hard film to watch. You know, when a character dies, that's really emotional. Like, you know, Infinity yeah. War, you know, like all those characters die. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wow, they actually died. But then when it comes to Chadwick Boseman, yeah. that was just so emotional. Like when Shuri and Queen Ramonda go to the funeral, they were just playing music and it was just proper way, you know, showing that death is not the end. Then with the Marvel intro, just opens up with no music. <sighs> It was, it was, yeah, yeah, this, this whole opening sequence with T'Challa's death and the funeral and then the Marvel Studios logo, it was so haunting. It really felt the weight of his loss. It really considered what the morning looks like. And just, I think it may be fair to say that that is the best sequence of the movie because it's just there's so much care and passion clearly that's put into it every element even small things like the choice to make t'challa die from an illness it all reflects you know the real world emotions that people felt after chadwick boseman's passing and it was just really powerful to see all of this and you know when that when the coffin gets taken up by the talon fighter and they play some of like t'challa's motif in the score it was just a really impactful moment yeah and the way that the show was trying to save t'challa but she couldn't i thought that was a good connection with the first one you know like with the herbs you know like they burned in the first one and that would be a way of saving him but then the death was so sudden i think that was a good way how we felt how his death was out of the blue we didn't expect that he had cancer it was just so sudden so this opening was just a great way of like showing what the film was going to be leading to like you know Wakanda forever you know how Wakanda is going to you know move on remember the legacy of you know Black Panther and how they're going to protect Wakanda yeah absolutely I think that what I really liked about this film a film that has so much going on and so much to do it really really had an impossible task but one thing that I really liked about it was it takes events from the first movie And it considers the implications of a lot of these things. You know, there are some really clever ways that it plays with the first movie. For example, there is a sequence after 
Queen Ramonda goes to the UN and has her speech and she's coming home with Okoye and they're in the Talon Fighter and they mirror the return to Wakanda from the first movie. In the first movie, it's beautiful and surprising and the music is really like high. But in this, there is just this sense of something missing. They mirror shots. Okoye even says, we are home. And even like when they pass through the shield, it's nowhere near as enchanting. Instead, everything feels a lot colder and empty. And a lot of this film is kind of about learning to move on and appreciate these things, even having lost such a great loss. And there are numerous points throughout where I felt like they mirrored the original film in really smart ways that made it build off of that really well. Yeah, I think, you know, the main theme of this film is about grief, just mm. exploring that and how to move on. So the opening is a great way of showing that. Yeah, I, I, I do think that one of the things that I wasn't too keen on this movie was thematically, it frequently, and narratively, it frequently loses its focus. There's so much happening that it's easy to lose a lot of this stuff. Like, there's a lot of scenes where T'Challa's passing and the grief of everything are so apparent, but it kind of stops and starts. There are uh, there are portions of the movie where it isn't evident at all. Like, the film has a much darker tone and there is that impact that is felt, you know, almost like a shockwave across the entire thing. However, you know, like, when they go to Cambridge to get Riri Williams that whole sequence and you get the chase and all that stuff. It was almost as if the characters forgot about the grief that they're feeling. A lot of it, all of a yeah. sudden, it, it did kind of come and go, these these emotional beats. And I kind of wish that, I don't know like how long they had to work on the script after Chadwick Boseman's passing, how long they had to rework what they had, but it did feel like it needed a couple more passes. You know, it felt like Riri Williams as a character was just there so they could set up Ironheart and Everett Ross, he's just there so they can set up Secret yeah, Invasion. A lot of yeah. these things don't have a real like thematic inclusion. And yeah. I think that's very evident because the best stuff far and away is when they do focus on the grief and particularly with Namor and the Talicans. We'll get into the, the Talicans and Namor. There was an amazing bit in the film that took me a gaff. I can't even speak. <laughs> oh, there we go and yeah Ruby Williams was a character that I was like okay let's see who, who she is and let's get to explore we didn't really get to explore much of her in the film I was a bit disappointed like what her motivations to make this suit why did she do it I don't know but yeah, we, it's kind of hard to find it you know because this film is about grief as we just said and how do we add a character into that and it just feels very out of place with the, the theme and with everything that's going on in the film, it, it just needs to focus on the Wakandans and how to move on with the passing of the king. And with Shuri, I think there's needed more scenes with Shuri, how she become, you know, Black Panther. I feel like that wasn't built enough. I mean, there, yeah. there was a bit of like, okay, she is kind of the Black Panther. Like it, it does at the end, she shows that. But there wasn't like a way to build that all the way throughout the film because it felt kind of out of place when she just, hey, I got the thing working now, the herb. In Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when 
Sam thinks that he can't be the Captain America, but then he realizes that he can. So then he has this massive training montage, which mm. was super cool, by the way. That was that was so cool. And he he was being like Captain America. He was training. And then in this one, she just got the powers. I don't think there was like a way of like showing that. I don't know. It, it's it yeah. just feels very out of place for that. Yeah. No, I understand, I understand what you mean. At the beginning, the Queen kind of says, we need a new Black Panther. And Shuri's like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to be Black Panther. It's a dead icon. And then they kind of leave it for about an hour, maybe even longer. And it comes up very briefly, you know, in yeah. passing. But it's not something that weighs on Shuri. It's not something that she's constantly thinking about. It's not something that the film wants to remind us about until the end when she's like, the only way to fix this is with a Black Panther. And it's like, hold up a second. Where did you... this come from all of a sudden? What? Wait, where was the Black Panther? Where, where, where was it? Where You're trying to look for it. You can find it. It's like, you make up a really good point about Captain America and the Winter Soldier. That show, the whole thing, the burden of becoming Captain America is something that constantly weighs on Sam. And that's his whole journey is about that. Whereas in yeah. this film, they just don't give enough time to that because there's so much going on. Like, far and away, this movie needed to cut stuff out because... You know, there you can cut out characters, and there are there are quite a few with no arcs. Like at the end, you go back to the waterfall, and we have the ceremony, and Mbaku steps out of the fighter, and he's like, "I'm going to challenge for the throne," but there's no one to challenge him, so it looks like okay, he's going to be the king of Wakanda now. But it's like, hold on a second, where did this come from? The whole film, Mbaku has no development. He has a couple of moments. He has one moment where he says, I need guidance because people are looking to me now. But the whole time he's just like comic relief and he doesn't really have that arc. Same for Okoye. Okoye loses the spot as head Dora Milaje and that's really interesting. And the queen and the elders are calling her out for sticking with Killmonger when he took the throne. But instead of having her confront that, instead of having her learn how to fight for something other than the throne, she just becomes a midnight angel and then that's it. And she fights for the throne again. It's like there are just so many characters who are here who need development. But instead of developing them, we have a side plot with Everett Ross and Valentina and, you know, oh, yeah, stuff Valentina. with Riri Williams. And it's like, we're not developing all these stuff well enough. So therefore, a lot of this just kind of feels tacked on. Yeah, and the whole subplot with Valentina and Everett Ross was just, why? Why Why do you want to add something that doesn't really develop the plot? And yeah. at the end, it doesn't really serve it. He's just like, oh, hey guys, you saved me. Yeah, He's exactly. Like, oh. It's like they don't tie it in and in any way. It feels like they want to set up Thunderbolts and Secret Invasion. They're like, okay, so we want, you know, Everett Ross is going to be in Secret Invasion, so let's set that up. And we've been teasing Val this whole time, so let's set that up too. We don't even know who Valentina really is. She's just yeah. like an FBI agent. Yeah, we haven't really got to explore her in any meaningful way. And she showed up three times now, I think. And it's like, what is the point? <laughs> of all of this if we can't focus in the story. But I truly believe that they had all of this. This was all part of their plan. And then Chadwick's passing happened. And instead of deciding to take some of these elements out so they can focus on the death of T'Challa more, they decided, oh, let's just add the death of T'Challa onto all of this. And thankfully, that's the best part of the movie. That's one of the absolute like best things that it does. But a lot of the other stuff doesn't get the, the attention it therefore deserves. Yeah, they just needed to focus on that whole theme of grief. 
at the very least, you know, it feels like a similar thing to Multiverse of Madness, where I have a lot of problems with the script. However, the direction in this movie was just brilliant. I think the CGI was improved. Yes, I agree. It was a definite step up from the first movie. I mean, you're right, the CGI, much improved. And just throughout, the way that Ryan Coogler frames things were just wonderful. The cinematography as well, it was engaging, really. You know, at the beginning with Sherry, it was one take. You know, just trying mm. to find a way to create this herb. It was just very engaging throughout the film. And there wasn't really, like, a lot of, like, shaky cams. Like, you couldn't see... <laughs> what was happening as much but there were some great fights as well you know in the film that yeah. wasn't you know like shake cams and cgi like oh my god yes. this is like a cgi fight again the final fight between black panther and namor was amazing because oh. it was so raw and visceral and you could feel the impact and i mean personally i thought it was shot a little bit too close but it was such a step up from the the two cgi elements fighting in a in a tunnel at the end of the last movie and i yeah. really really appreciated that should we get on to namor and the talent yes yes right. this this was another great part of the story as well yeah i thought that was a great way of adding onto the grief theme so there's this amazing bit that took me off that so namor shows shuri this bit of this underwater thing like and like an air tunnel she slides through it and then namor and shuri meet at this top of this thing a whale comes past and then it pans onto the whole place where namor lives i forgot the name of it but it was so awesome like it was going through like a whole different place it was like exciting it was like brand new and we didn't see like this before it was like wakanda you know we got to see wakanda again and it was like whoa okay that that was cool you know like you got to see the different communities within that and the underwater bit was very exciting it, I, I think i wish that was kind of fleshed out you know like we could explore more and it made it more emotional but aside from that i thought that was a great way of showing you know where namor lives and why does he want to protect his underwater kingdom and the music oh the music mm, music yeah. yes i mean ludwig goranson doesn't miss does he oh. like it, it's a very different. It's a very different score than last time. Obviously, oh, he adds different elements in with the Talakan stuff. But there are some really nice subtle moments that I really enjoyed. Like at the end, it's not exactly subtle, but at the end when <laughs> the Wakandans win and Shuri yells "Wakanda forever" and they play the Wakanda theme, brilliant. Like I think that they really they knew when to use those iconic themes and you know do them really really well. And when she's as the Black Panther, they play her theme from the first movie. And I thought that was really great. And, and all the new music that he adds for the Talicans was brilliant. I agree with you. One of the best sequences is underwater where Shuri sees the people of Talican City and she's swimming throughout and Namor showing her. And Namor is another like similar to Killmonger. I don't think he's as good as Killmonger, but he's another amazing villain. You know, yeah, like I agree. Yeah. When he kind of tells his backstory, you can really tell him. I tell you what, the actor who plays him, Tenok Huerta, that's his yeah. first movie. That's incredible. Like, good Whoa. on you, man. That is his first movie. Wow, wow. Yeah, that... like it's always been Marvel's greatest strength to cast some brilliant people in these roles. And I think you know, for his first movie, that's just excellent. So so well done. Yeah, he was so good. Wow. Yeah, that... I really love how Ryan Coogler frames the Talicans. Like from that opening action set piece with them where they're kind of doing these siren calls and everyone's jumping off the boat 
they really make mm. them terrifying. And, you know, when Okoye is fighting them on the bridge and she's struggling so much, you know, you can really see, you know, how much of a force we reckon with they are. To the point where the, the Wakandan army doesn't really win against the Talakans. If it wasn't for Black Panther defeating Namor, they wouldn't have won. They were really getting backed into a corner, literally. And yeah. they really managed to present them as this amazing force. They really considered how do people underwater fight differently and how, you know, are those different, like, stuff working. And I really like yeah. that. And i got to say, Namor's wings, they didn't make a joke about it. They didn't make a joke about Namor's wings. I'm so happy. Yes! I, I, th- I, thought, I thought you were going to say, they didn't make a joke about Namor's wings. I'm so disappointed. They didn't say no. a single thing about it. I was like... No, this what? this movie was actually what? quite what are you talking restrained about? on the comedy. I was really happy. Yeah, it, yeah like, I was very there, happy there, about that. Yeah. There were a couple of moments, but it, it wasn't shoving comedy in your face, you know? It's not no. my kind of comedy, but still, it was there and it felt more organic. And it's really impressive for this movie. You know, as somebody who never really cared about Shuri, who always kind of found her annoying, they made Shuri a really compelling protagonist mm. in the first one it was a bit hard because he was just talking all the time and i just couldn't really connect as much with the character but then in this one it was really that emotional weight onto it and like oh wow she's going through this you know death and how she needs to move on and then protect wakanda as well like what, what she needs to do and i thought the film was showing that really well apart from some scenes with Riri but basically the dynamics between Namor and Shuri was just great throughout the film that it showed that they have the same goals of like they want to protect the kingdom but they do it differently Namor wants to go against the the surface but Shuri wants to get the kingdom and work together but it doesn't work like that at the end there was this really really good like montages of Shuri reminds about like not killing Nemo but then the idea of like the cycle of violence it needs to end and then from Nemo's perspective what does his mother think and it affects him and it just reminds them like you know what we're fighting for and we must not lose more people we must not lose people who are affected by this massive war this massive conflict and if they go against each other they're going to lose the communities within that place and you know it's just going to affect their lives and yeah that was brilliant at the end yeah, I agree. I think it was amazing when, you know, she's got him dead to rights and they're both thinking about, you know, the implications of this. And very similar to how in both of the ritual combats in the first movie, T'Challa doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want to kill M'Baku. He makes him yield and he doesn't, he could finish the fight with Killmonger very quickly, but he tells him to yield. And even at the end, he wants to heal Killmonger even after stabbing him. And she takes those lessons. And I loved the ancestral plane scene because, you know, and I I, I was pretty confident it was going to be, Killmonger but you know having him there and talking to her and, and and you know saying there's only one way to get this done and you know that isn't the noble way and she teeters on the edge of letting vengeance consume her out of the words of T'Challa in Civil War vengeance has consumed you it's consuming them I'm done letting it consume me and he learns that lesson but sure he never did and I think while it's a concept that's introduced fairly late in the game I really like how that comes through and how she has to tackle with very similar things that T'Challa went through. Again, like they're kind of mirroring T'Challa's journey through Shuri, but twisting it a bit. Yeah, it reflects that. Because as you said, the whole film, there's some mirroring from the first film. And I didn't see that before, but how Shuri learns 
lesson of yielding the enemy. And yeah, I don't have anything else to say with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but the main story mm. of between Namor and Shuri was just brilliant. It was just very compelling with, with the characterization, you know. And that, that scene where the Talakans attack Wakanda and oh, yeah. everything's flooding and everything's exploding. I thought that was amazing. Water- oh yeah, water grenades. <laughs> yes, brilliant. Just like an absolutely was- amazing sequence and Queen Ramonda's death was so well done. And I think Angela Bassett just like all the performances in this are excellent, but Angela Bassett just absolutely destroyed as the queen. She was just incredible. Like she has so many times where she will just make these speeches and her death really hit, you know, I don't really think she did a whole lot in the first movie, but I think the second one, she was such a presence and seeing her as queen and the way that she stands up to this. And when she yells at Okoye and she says that her entire family is gone and that, you know, she has, she not given everything. I mean, that's in the trailer, but brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that was a very emotional story that Ryan Coogler wrote. So, well done. And Ludwig, that was amazing. The score was just brilliant. It just kept me engaged with the story. Absolutely. What do you think about the new Black Panther suit? Obviously, in our Black Panther video we did last week, you guys can listen to that if you haven't already, but we talked about T'Challa's suit. And what do you think about this new one that Shuri gets? It's cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think it's cool. I really like how real and tangible it is. But oh my god, it's so it's so overdesigned. There's so much on it. There's so much yeah. gold and silver. I feel like they need to tone it down. And yeah. one of the weird things, Letitia Wright is very slim. And when she's in her Black Panther suit, the helmet feels so big on her. <laughs> like it it, she like it, it's kind of like she's a Funko Pop. Like <laughs> it's genuinely like the helmet is just like I don't know if it's like really thick or something like that, but I f- I think they're gonna have to kind of make the helmet out of something slimmer moving forward because it did look a little bit disproportional to me. Yeah. But I you know I thought that it was really cool you know seeing her kind of take that that mantle and doing it for the wrong reasons. She doesn't do it out of a noble reason. She does it out of vengeance, as I said earlier. And I really like how she ha- kind of has that journey to let go of her grief when that's kind of the ending, isn't it? She finally goes. Um, and I was I was so sure that Chadwick Boseman was going to have a cameo in some capacity. And I'm actually glad that they didn't do that because yeah. having the fact that this movie really, you know, focuses on the fact that he isn't there, I thought was a real strength of it. And if he did appear, it would almost take away the focus on the, the journeys of the other characters. Yeah. As you said, I thought there was going to be like a cameo near like mm. in the ancestral plane. Yes. Sequence, but yeah, I thought, how are they going to do that? You know, like. I thought that was going to take away a bit of the story and not trying to, you know, progress the story as much. You could feel the presence of the child, like, throughout the film. And at the end, the post-credit, you can see Shuri just, like, having this arc of grief and you get to see her, you know, take the funeral clothing. I thought it was just, that was just a great way of, like, moving on. And with the compilation of Chadwick, you know the film was trying to spread that message, you know, like, how we felt about that, you know. Absolutely. It literally says dedicated to our friend Chadwick Boseman at the end. And, you know, it is super emotional. I have to ask, what are your thoughts about T'Challa Jr., who is revealed at the end? What's your thoughts about that, about T'Challa and Nakia having a child? Very, very surprising. It was out of the blue. Yes. But it was kind of emotional. You know, like he Mm. named now T'Challa. And I thought that was passing down onto that name. You know, like what it takes to be a great king. Yeah, it was out of the blue. I mean, it was a it great was. way of like ending. 
Yeah, but what about you? What, what, what do you think about that? I I I wasn't a huge fan to be honest. It it felt just a bit too tacked on for me, and it, it is something that feels in character with both Nakia and T'Challa that they would have this kid, and that T'Challa would would want to keep him away from the throne, and that you know they would want to protect him. That all makes sense, but it felt so tacked on, and as well. It kind of feels like they're saying, oh, look, T'Challa's legacy lives on in his kid. But it's like the whole film shows you that his legacy lives on in Shuri. It kind of defeats the point of her arc. If he has a kid, like, I just, I wasn't vibing with that. It it felt less like they wanted to respect T'Challa and more like they were introducing another young Avenger, if that makes sense. Because Uh, they're doing this a lot in Marvel. They're introducing younger characters, like... Wanda's got kids and all that like it it felt more like that than it did having any thematic weight yeah I understand that well I mean I think this I think this movie was pretty good I mean yeah, let, okay, let, let's talk about what it says in the title does Wakanda forever save phase four what do you think I think it's the best uh, phase four okay but there, there are some good stuff in the phase four you got Loki You've yep. got Eternals. You got yep. Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Absolutely. The show. Yeah. You you got those. Yeah. But most I, of it. <laughs> most phase of four it is... you don't want to see. <laughs> it's true. Phase four isn't without its merits, but it's just it's too much in two years. And yes. it, two it's years. two years, two man. Years. It literally started last year. That's insane. It's too much in that short amount of time, and we just needed to rest a little bit and like let it all breathe and yeah i think that i think history will be less kind to this phase than the other phases but i don't think that it was all bad i don't think it's looking good for marvel all in all but you know i I think that you know watching wakanda forever does make me think you know what phase four has had some good stuff like i don't think there's been any absolute crackers there's been no bangers but it's my second favorite movie out of phase four. Eternals is still my favorite. I'm so sorry. I know everyone hates Eternals, but you're I mean, all I, wrong. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I understand with Eternals. I might need to give it a rewatch. Are we going to give Black Panther a kind of forever out of 10? I'm going to go seven out of 10. What about you? Eight. Just, nice. Yeah, just for emotional because I was just, I was just mess. I was like, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> for you where does it stand in relation to the original do you think it's better than the first black panther or or not as good that's a bit of a hard question there uh <laughs> the first one's better the first one's better because of the, yeah i think the i think the first one's better yeah i think i think it's more focused the second one just has too much going on yes a lot more focused with you know with challa and what is the arc is throughout that film so if you want to find out about what we talked about black panther that's last week Watch that. That's, yes, that's watch that video. Absolutely. So yeah, that's 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 not only Wakanda forever. That's Phase Four done. That is so <laughs> weird. Unless, unless of course, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is Phase Four. In which case, it's not yeah. quite done. But who knows? Who, who knows? knows? <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you enjoyed it, you can give us a thumbs up and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy and give us a follow. Next week, we're going to be doing Knives Out in preparation for, of course, Glass Onion. 
and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Outside Film Pod. And if you want to send us an email, tell us your thoughts on Wakanda Forever, uh, on Phase Four, on the state of the MCU, any of that stuff. You, oh, you can ask us questions. You can you can send us an email outsidefilmpod at gmail.com and we will answer it right here on the podcast. Yes, and if you liked us talking about Marvel or other superhero stuff. Tell us what do you want us to explore, like in DC or in Marvel. You know, I think we pretty covered everything in that. But we'll <laughs> talk about anything that you know in comic book wise or yeah, or games as well. Like you know what? Well, yeah, our, I, I, our our ongoing mission is to <laughs> cover everything. But actually, you did just remind me of something. Speaking of comic book games, this is where it gets quite emotional and quite recent. I gotta say, oh, no. rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Oh, I, I, I can't I can't oh. even begin to say how devastated I am at this passing. 66 years old. If you don't know, he voiced Batman in so many incredible things in the animated series, Mask of the Phantasm, and of course the Arkham games. And just he was the definitive voice. He struck that balance between Bruce Wayne and Batman perfectly. He was everything. He was everything. And he really defined what Batman is for a generation. And Batman's voice will never be the same without him. It's such a tragic loss. And, you know, it's almost, it's depressing that, you know, we're talking about Wakanda forever, in which we talk about this legend, Chadwick Boseman, who's passed. And now we have to talk about another legend who's no longer with us. Similarly, after a battle with cancer, Kevin Conroy was one of the greats and we he will be missed so much yeah uh, that news yeah yeah i read about that i was like no way he's he's not yeah i yeah when we the same with reading comics you know the batman uh, i read the new beauty 2 with his voice in my head like just this presence of this shadow of like the batman like he's yeah like it has this brooding voice you know he's He's in the in the shadows and then he's scary, he's dark, but then there's hope, hope within that. And it showed within that, you know, with the Batman and animated series and he voiced in so many, you know, roles as Batman, you know, in the Arkham games. Ah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember, I remember the Arkham Asylum. Yes. That, no, that absolutely. I mean it's a a a really, really crappy day to be a Batman fan. So yeah, um, I guess that's all we have to say about that yeah. and all we have to say about Wakanda forever. Um, so, yeah, take us out. R.I.P. Kim Comet. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the goat. The goat. I'm not going to say the video, the goat. You know, like, <laughs> that's why cow. he was always the goat. He is always the goat. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. Take away, given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.